Giannis on the break. To the rim. Push the barrel. He's unstoppable. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Go. Rainbows high and deep. Touchdown, Wisconsin. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Giannis was unstoppable last night, and last night was so much fun. The Bucks spanked the Wizards, and that was fun. Don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about that game in more detail coming up in about 10 minutes. But it wasn't nearly as fun as today. Today was, uh, well, the final day of the NBA trade period. So the deadline was at 2 o'clock Central Time this afternoon. And uh, the Bucks, not to be outdone by other teams in the league, not only put up an entertaining game last night, but had a pretty good trade deadline as well. So we're going to get right into that. Now, obviously, lots of teams making trades. And before we can start assigning grades, good or bad, you know, some trades you just don't know. You have to wait uh, to see how the players or the picks turn out. Some trades you can look right away and say this is a good or a bad deal. I think the Bucks fall into that category. Every trade is different. Every team is in a different position and going through different circumstances. So it's tough to grade, it's tough to assign letter grades or the amount of stars to a trade, but we're going to do our best. We're going to kind of take a look around not only the Milwaukee Bucks and what they did today leading up right to the trade deadline, but what other teams in the Eastern Conference did and and competition of the Milwaukee Bucks or what teams didn't do who were contending with the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So we're going to break all of that down. Like I said, more highlights and more analysis of last night's game are going to be coming up in about 10 minutes. The NBA trade deadline is so much fun. Not that the NFL trade deadline isn't fun. I think it's become more entertaining the last couple of years or the MLB trade deadline, what have you. The NBA trade deadline is a blast. And I think especially in the NBA because teams aren't afraid to say, all right, we need to rebuild. We need to start losing. Let's trade away our good pieces. You don't see that as much in the NFL. You don't see that as much in the MLB, although it's a little bit more common. But for the most part, it's most common in the NBA. And that leads to a lot of player movement and a lot of drama. And that's been fun to watch. So far this year, the Bucks, their biggest move was really an extension of the move they made yesterday to trade Thon Maker for Stanley Johnson. They flip Stanley Johnson. Well, they, they didn't flip him literally. They actually waited to execute the trade, turned it into a three-team trade, and they flip Stanley Johnson and Jason Smith for Nikolai Miritich, a stretch for, if you are not familiar, from New Orleans. He used to be in Chicago. He had some great games against the Bucks. Now he's found himself in New Orleans. He's a stretch four who has been one of the bright spots for the Pelicans this year. Uh, he's been he's averaged sixteen and a half points and eight and a half rebounds in thirty two games. The Bucks the Bucks got a lot better. This was not a small depth addition. This was not you know a fringe guy who maybe will give you two or three minutes a game. This is going to be a guy who can contribute. And for the Bucks, not just about the scoring, not just about the rebounds, but he fits. He fits exactly what the Bucks need. Not that the Bucks need anything. After last night, they moved to 40 and 13. The Bucks don't really need anything. They're just getting better at a position that they are already tremendous. Another guy who can stretch the floor. He's essentially another Brook Lopez. He's a little bit smaller than Brook Lopez. He is a, like I said, stretch four, a larger player who will also give the Bucks another option when they want to move Giannis to the five, play him at the center. And go smaller. Nikolai Miritich is going to work beautifully. So this trade is... I, I'm impressed. And I got to give it up to John Horst. I, I, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. When John Horst was hired, I, I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is it. And who knows? 
this season could be great, and then he could go on to have an abysmal rest of his career as a general manager. But this season in and of itself has been tremendous. Getting Brook Lopez on that mid-level exception, which, to be honest, looks looks like one of the best off-season acquisitions of this previous year. I know LeBron James to the Lakers was huge, and I'm not downplaying that. But difference maker, no matter what the contract or what the length of the contract is, Brook Lopez has been fantastic. That obviously falls at the feet of John Horst. Now, this move, I, 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 I just could not fathom a week ago. Taking Thon Maker, because essentially what he did was, now there were a couple of moves in between and, and some details, he essentially took Thon Maker, who wanted to be traded anyways, and flipped him for Nikolai Miritich. That is incredible. So props to John Horst. Now, the Bucks are, are going to have to surrender a couple of second round picks as well. Looks like a, a handful, three or four. And that's okay. If we go back to the beginning of the show, I said every team is in a different situation. Every team is facing different circumstances, which is why a good trade for one team isn't necessarily a good trade for another team. Let me explain. The Raptors are in a position right now where they it's title or bust. It is NBA Finals or bust. They went all in to rent Kawhi Leonard. They traded for Mark Gasol earlier today, swapping Valanchunas and Mark Gasol. They are all in to win a title this year. The Celtics, not so much. They are focused on the future. They like Jalen Brown. They like Jason Tatum. And they're not just going to go trade away those guys for a superstar to try to win a, a title this year because they know that they have a window that could possibly be open for success a little bit longer. The Bucks, on the other hand, are in win-now mode. Like I said, they're 40-13. and 13. There's no reason for their goal not to to be the NBA Finals this year, but they also have four impending free agents. Well, now uh, they've added a fifth in Nikolai Miritich. We'll see what decisions they have to make, but Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, uh, who's the other one? Eric Bledsoe, (laughs) and now Nikolai Miritich, all said to be free agents, and they're going to need money next summer to try to retain some, if not all, of those players. So for the Bucs, the goal of this trade deadline, if they could shake it, was get better, and improve the team this year to try to improve your chances of getting out of the East, but don't necessarily do it at the expense of being able to retain some of your core next summer. And damn it, John Horse nailed it. They drop the salary that was owed to Thonmaker, which was going to be at about $3.5 million. So they moved that money to get Stanley Johnson, but they didn't stop there. They dropped that salary and bring in Nikolai Miritich, who's they're not going to owe him a damn dime next summer if they don't want to. But man, is he going to be helpful down the stretch this year. This is a perfect trade for the Milwaukee Bucks. Miritich fits the system. He's layups and he's three-pointers. That's his game. And that's the Bucks game right now. This is going to allow Giannis even more space. When Miritich is in the game, you need to respect his three-point shooting. So you can't just collapse onto Giannis. You can, but you're going to leave Miritich wide open for a three, which is going to be a good look. It's just another player that's going to help space the floor for Giannis. And to be honest, since they traded Thonmaker, they, they did take a little bit of leap of faith in DJ Wilson, who has played well of late, But now adding Miritich just gives them another piece at that position. So if you find yourself in the playoffs, you don't necessarily have to rely on DJ Wilson. If he gives you three, four, five, six minutes of solid basketball, awesome. But you don't need to rely on him now that you have Miritich on this roster. And if they want to go small and play Giannis at the five, they now have options in DJ Wilson and in Miritich to play at the four alongside Giannis. And man, I love this trade. I was talking to Dave uh, there at the dive bar, so we've been talking a little bit over commercial breaks and stuff. By the way, if you're heading down to the dive bar, get entered to win those Brewers tickets. they got drink specials. They're giving away a bunch of stuff. So if you're just tuning in now, they are down at the dive bar on Ward Avenue. Get down there and say hello. Get in the running to win some of these prizes. But I was talking to Dave and Scrady off the air. Dave is hyped about this. Dave sounds like a little kid on Christmas morning. The trade deadline is one of my favorite days of the year, and the Bucks knocked this one out of the park. It would be one thing to acquire a difference maker, which they 
did in Miritich, who's going to space the floor for Giannis and give their lineup some versatility to go smaller, to go large, if they want to do so. It's one thing to do that and acquire a difference maker. It's one thing to essentially only give up a player in Thonmaker who wanted to be traded anyways. And second-round picks, which is nothing for a player like Miritich. And on top of all of that, you're not handcuffing yourself to salary next summer. Brilliant job. Brilliant trade by the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm not saying it's going to make them a title contender. I'm not saying it's going to make them a favorite over Golden State. But in terms of the options the Bucks had out there, it doesn't get much better than this. And Bucks fans should be jacked, especially after watching the game last night. I keep watching the highlights from last night's game, which, by the way, the Bucks blew out the Wizards. Uh, and the stats might be a little bit deceiving, and I want to talk about that coming up next. And the stats just go to show for this game how dominant the Bucks can be. I don't like to just sit down and, and go through box scores. You guys can look at the box score. You watch the game. I'm not, I'm not here to just rehash numbers for you. But in this instance, you look at the box score and you say, wait a minute, the Bucks were that good? Yes, they were that good last night. They spanked the Wizards. And if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about it here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. I hope you're having a good evening and you're making do with the snow. Drive safe. Be safe. Uh, there's no rush, unless maybe you're headed to the dive bar. That's one thing. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. That's the best way to reach me all show long if you want to have a conversation. Coming up next, when we get back in a few minutes... We do have to talk more Milwaukee Bucks, not only about this trade, but about the game last night because it was so much fun to watch. If you watch the highlight video, the full 10-minute highlight video, it looks like a video game. I mean, last night's game was so much fun, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to extend the trade deadline talks a little bit, too, and, and just how good the Bucks did in the last 24 to 48 hours. I do want to get into the Badgers basketball team as well because they had a big win last night, and it's not like last night's win was huge in and of itself, but the stretch that the Badgers are putting together right now uh, isn't necessarily pretty, but they're playing just about as well as anybody. Now, I'm not saying they could knock off Duke or Tennessee or, or Villanova or any of those teams right now. That's not what I'm saying. But just about as much as you can ask for from this Badgers team, they're giving you right now. So I want to talk about that coming up about 5.30 as well. we got a jam-packed Wisco Sports Show today. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of good information to unpack today. I'm your host, Grant Bills. More to come next here on WKTY. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of this Milwaukee Bucks team right now. If you can't tell, I am jacked up. Trade deadline, a huge win over the Wizards last night. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. You can reach me at 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talking text line and on Twitter as well, at WKTY or at Keystroker Grant. Take your pick. Uh, either way, we can have a conversation. We're talking, well, we're doing a couple different things. We're breaking down the Bucks' trade deadline maneuvers today. They did a tremendous job, as we just wrapped up talking about. I also wanted to dig, dig into last night's game. The Bucks have been winning a lot of games. It, it, almost, it almost gets tiresome, because I come in here, and I'm supposed to, you know, have sparkling conversation, and maybe stir up a discussion, uh, stir up some controversy, right? Well, this, this Bucks team isn't giving me any controversy. I'm just basking in all of their 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 blowout wins. 148 to 129 last night. And normally I don't like to dissect the box score too much because I don't think it means a whole lot. You guys watch the games. You, you For the most part, you know who has a good and a bad night. I'm, I'm not breaking any news to you when it comes to just reading a box score. Last night... This is fascinating. So let me let me tell you one thing. Pretend you just didn't hear the score. The score is 148-129. The Bucks win. 
Forget I just told you that. I'm going to read you some of the shooting percentages, some of the field goal percentages for the Wizards, and you tell me if your team had shooting numbers like this, if you would expect them to win or if you would expect them to lose. All right, let's do this. The Wizards last night went 48 of 92, all of their field goals, which puts them at just over 52%. They made more shots than they missed. So for math simpletons like myself, they made more shots than they missed, 52%. From three-point land, they went 17 of 37, which is 46%. It's 45.9. We'll call it an an even 46. 46% from beyond the three-point line is tremendous. They also went 16 of 19 from the free-throw line, which is just about as good as you can ask for. That's 85%. You tell me, 52% shooting, 45, 46 from three-point, and 85 from the free throw line, of which they had 19. There is no way that the Wizards should lose that game with stat lines like that. Let me flip it around, though. The Wizards shot 52%. The Bucks shot 60. From the three-point arc, the Wizards shot 46%. The Bucks shot 63. Free throw percentage? Well, the Bucks took one on the chin there. They only shot 65%, but it didn't matter. When you hit 19 of 33s and 56 total field goals... Well, you're going to do what the Bucks did, and that's put up 148 points, including 50 points in the first quarter. They had 85 through two and a buck 20 through three. That is absurd. That is absolutely ridiculous. Bucks only had 15 turnovers. I don't know. Was that good? <laughs> they had three blocks, 14 steals. 14 steals is pretty good. But like I said, I don't want to get too much into the box score, but when you look at these shooting numbers, there's very few teams on very few nights in the NBA that could absorb their opposition shooting 50% plus total field goal percentage, shooting 46 from the three-point arc, and hitting 85% of their free throws. There's very few teams that could absorb an opposition shooting that way. And the Bucks did it last night. Of course, it helps when you put up 148 points. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Last night was a lot of fun. It, it was a human highlight reel, and not just from Giannis, which, by the way, maybe I buried the lead on this, and I'm sorry if that's the case. Giannis had 43 points last night, 17 of 21 from the field. At one point, I believe, and I don't remember correctly, so don't quote me on this, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 of 19 from the field, 18 of 19, some ridiculous number like that. He was an efficient machine last night, 43 points. That's absurd. And there maybe was a little moment last night with that dunk that you heard at the beginning of the show. Well, if you weren't here, let's replay it because it was a a pretty dope play. It was a breakaway dunk off a steal, and he threw it down, uh, let's just say, with authority. Giannis on the break to the rim. Push the barrel. He's unstoppable. Pretty accurate description, actually. Very simple call, but very, very accurate. Uh, Giannis, after this dunk, may or may not have yelled some expletives into the crowd. I believe, and I'm not a professional lip reader, so I could be wrong, although I saw uh, others echoing this uh, the same idea, the same sentiment on Twitter last night. He yelled something to the effect of, I'm the, expletive, MVP. Uh, appeared to be at quite a loud volume. Of course, the Pfizer Forum last night, I, man, I can't even begin to... Th- the energy in the Pfizer Forum right now is just off the chain. And I mean, well, why wouldn't it be? This Bucks team has completely done 
a 180 from where they were two years ago. And don't get me wrong, Giannis was exciting two years ago. You had players to be excited about, like Jabari Parker. There was excitement around this team. But to then transition to now, where they have who's got to be hands down the coach of the year in Mike Budenholzer, who's in the conversation, if not leading the MVP conversation in Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think it, it just depends on what James Harden does the rest of the way out. You have a brand new arena, which looks fantastic. And they dropped more uh, more pictures, more images earlier today of some things that are going to be added to that whole complex, including a pub, a sports bar that is themed uh, like the old Mecca, the old yellow court, the old, uh, old-fashioned court from the 70s that they recreated in the Panther Arena last year. It's going to be themed with that scheme and that, that color format. That is so cool. I... I wish I lived, and I love lacrosse, so I don't want to say this. How cool would it be to be in Milwaukee and to be able to go to a couple of games a month, or a game a week or something like that? Because the energy and the atmosphere around this team right now is insane. And last night, when you hang 148 on the Wizards, and you get dunks like that, and you get 43 points from Giannis, and by the way, that was not the only impressive stat line. We'll get to that here in a second. But the energy right now in Milwaukee is awesome. And it almost feels like it's just transitioned from, from the Brewers' season. Brewers go out and make those acquisitions. Their bullpen is just nails. They've come one game within the World Series, including a hot stretch of baseball at the end of the year. Everything and anything, energy around that team and around that city was at at a 100% maximum. And it just feels like it kind of just transitioned a mile or two downtown to the Pfizer Forum. And these Milwaukee teams right now, I know we're on the other side of the state. And it still falls within our state. This is the Wisco Sports Show, so I'm not feeling guilty about talking about Milwaukee sports teams at all, but how much fun is this? This may not happen again for a long time. Now, I hope Giannis sticks around for, I hope he's here his entire career, and I hope next summer when Brogdon and Bledsoe and Middleton and Lopez all become free agents, that some of them take a good long think about coming back to Milwaukee and trying to keep this thing together for a few years, even if it means taking a couple less million dollars. Now, I'm never going to ask or fault players for taking more money when they have the opportunity, so I'm not I'm not saying that. But the seasons like this don't, you, you think this is going to last. You think this is going to happen again next year and the year after, but we don't know. Enjoy this. And, and last night, I was in the library. I was studying uh, last night, th- up and throughout, uh, up until halftime, which is when I actually turned the game on. You know, I rewatched the first half. I wasn't watching it live, and I'm walking home from the library last night. I'm like, Grant, what are you doing? I I need to be watching this team each and every night. Now I can rewatch the highlights and 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 watch the analysis and watch the post game show, but I can't be missing games like I did last night. And of course, I watched the second half, but I'm in the library and I'm thinking. This might not happen again for years and years and years. There hasn't been a season like this since 2001, and before that, the late 80s. And, bef- and before that, the early 70s. I mean, the- seasons like this for small market teams like the Milwaukee Bucks just don't come around very often. And I'm not saying after this year that the, that the fairy tale is going to end. I'm not saying that. But this team is so much bleeping fun right now. And if you're not watching each and every night, I think you're letting some really good basketball go to waste. 40 and 13. Giannis had 43 points last night. Oh, and by the way, Middleton had 16. Lopez had 11. Bledsoe had 22, including a stretch in the fourth quarter where the Wizards started to to pull close and make make it a game. And Bledsoe just said, nah, I'm taking over. And he did exactly that. Couple steals. Couple dunks, including flying in off a missed free throw to slam one down in the face of Trevor Ariza. Bledsoe took over. Brogdon had 18 points. Ursan Ilyasova showed us something last night, had 12, which was good to see because he had been quiet for a while. I mean, this team, man, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm trying not to fan out on the radio right now, but I love this team. 
I love watching this team. And as we talked about to start the show, they only got better today. And they got better in a way that's not going to cost them down the line. If you're just tuning in now, we were talking about the Bucks acquiring Nikola Miritich from the New Orleans Pelicans, basically through a, a three-way trade. So they yesterday received Stanley Johnson for Thonmaker. Thonmaker to Detroit, Jason Smith and Stanley Johnson to New Orleans with some second-round picks. And the Bucks received Nikola Miritich, who is a stretch four, who is an excellent three-point shooter, and is great around the rim. So not only does he fit perfectly into the Bucks system and is going to be a wonderful floor spacer to pair with Giannis to make his job even easier, but he's also going to give their lineup a little bit of flexibility. If they want to play Giannis at the five and play small to either exploit another team's weakness or play down to the size of a smaller team, now they don't necessarily have to rely on DJ Wilson in huge minutes in meaningful games because they also have Nikola Miritich. I love DJ Wilson. Love what we've seen from him. But to just add another option... Like Nikola Miritich is, I we're so lucky as Bucks fans, and, and well done by John Horst today. It has really been an impressive stretch of front office management from the Bucks. And to be honest, I don't know if that was something that I ever expected to say, ever. <laughs> we're lucky as Bucks fans right now, and if you're not tuning in and taking advantage and watching it, you are missing out. And uh, and I'm sorry. Last night I didn't really have a choice. I was stuck at the library. Uh, at UWL, but I got to catch the second half and you know see the fir- the highlights of the first half is just ridiculous. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight is the five star telecom talking text line. I am not short for words today. I can't imagine you are as well. I'd love to have a conversation. We're going to keep the hoop conversation going, but I want to transition to another team, another team who got a big win last night, arguably a bigger win than the Milwaukee Bucks. Now there, there's more games in the NBA than there are in the college regular season, so I guess just by nature of of the schedule, college wins mean more. But the, the Badgers went on the road last night and beat a team who had previously beaten them this year. They beat Minnesota at the barn last night. And the last six or seven games by this Badger team has been has been really impressive. It hasn't always been pretty. But they're doing just about everything that you could ask for. And last night was just an extension of this run of good play. We're going to transition to the Badgers talk. I'd love to hear from you on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line or on Twitter at WKTY or at Keystroker Grant. Both work. We also got to talk to Dave and Scrady because they just can't keep themselves off the radio. They're hanging out at the dive bar on Ward Avenue. So if you're looking for a place to hang, they're giving away some brewer's tickets uh, and a whole lot of prizes as well. Also drinking food specials. So it's the place to be. Get down there if you haven't already. We'll talk to them. Take a quick break and we'll come back and talk Badgers basketball coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. Jim Rome here with your Rome Report. We're coming up on the NBA trade deadline, and so far the Pelicans have not dealt Anthony Davis to... Fantastic closeout by Kalshin. A slip underneath, and how about that finish, and a foul for Iverson. Badgers took care of business last night against the Gophers. You've been so blessed with Bucks basketball. Can't forget about the Badgers. They're playing well right now as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Like I said, we're so blessed with the Bucks. Uh, we almost forget about the Badgers. And let's not mince words. It's not like they are probably going to win a national championship this year. It's not like they were in 2000. 2000- 
2014 or 2015, but the stretch that they have been on the last week gives you hope for some serious damage in the tournament. At least gives me some hope for some serious damage in the tournament. And I, we just can't not talk about it. Last night's game was a lot of fun, and it's been a while. I feel like earlier on in the season, and maybe I'm guiltier than anybody else of this, I, I was just frustrated with this team. They sit right now at 17-6. and six, Third in the Big Ten, ranked 19th in the AP. That might change after last night. Who knows? But what's been most impressive uh, has not necessarily been the win-loss record or the ranking or where they sit in the Big Ten, but it's been the last week or two. Uh, I guess it's a stretch that goes back a while now. The Badgers have now won uh, six or seven games in a row. Let's count it out loud because I can't do that in my head. One, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. That's right, including a road win against Minnesota. Now, if you remember, Minnesota beat them at the Kohl's Center earlier this year. They won last night 56-51. Their defense has been really good throughout this stretch. Only surrendering more than uh, only surrendering sixty points twice, uh, including holding Northwestern to forty six, which was really impressive. They beat Michigan at home, Illinois, Northwestern, Nebraska, then beat number twenty one at the time Maryland at home, and then beating Minnesota last night. That's six straight wins. And and when we talk about it, and when we have talked about the Badgers, I said last week that I, I think the Badgers are on their way back to the tournament. Now it's just it's just a formality. They are going to be back in the NCAA tournament. But at the time, I said. The Badgers are on the right path. They're heading in the right direction. They're on a good trajectory. All they have to do is basically don't screw it up. Don't don't lose to Illinois and Northwestern. Don't lose to Nebraska. You don't necessarily have to win all your games against the Michigans of the world and the Michigan States of the world and the Minnesotas on the road because those ga- road games are never free in college basketball or the Marylands of the world. But you got to win one or two, and they have gone above and beyond that call of duty and now have found themselves winning six games in that's a row. That's called a winning streak. It's exactly what that's called, the six-game winning streak. Now, it gets really tough for the Badgers uh, starting here in two days. Saturday, they play Michigan at 11 a.m. at Michigan in Ann Arbor. It's not at the Kohl Center this time. And then they host Michigan State uh, three days later, which will be next Tuesday night. They host uh, number nine Michigan State, who had an ugly performance against Iowa the other night. So as you know, as easy as it is to become enamored with the John Beelines of the world and the Michigans and the Tom Izzo's of the world at the top of the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten right now is just about as up for grabs as it has been all season long. We see some of these upper-level teams faltering especially the two Michigan teams who are always a tough out, both in the Big Ten tournament and the in the, uh, the March Madness tournament as well, unless you are a Tom Izzo hater and a Michigan State hater like I am, uh, then Michigan State is sometimes an, e- an easy out. I never bet the Spartans or bet them in my bracket to win more than a couple of handful of games because I've been let down so many times. I have not been let down by Ethan Happ these last couple of games. He has been tremendous. If we're looking at the game from last night, he did once again a little bit of everything. He was their leading scorer uh, as usual. He only had 15 points. This was a really low-scoring affair. 15 points, uh, 13 rebounds. His assists were down just a little bit. He had four of them. He also had a steal and a block. Uh, But there were a couple of impressive numbers last night. Aleem Ford, or not Aleem Ford, excuse me. Nate Reavers didn't do a ton in the scoring department. He had nine points, which... If that was Brevin Pritzel, if that was Charlie Thomas, that would be one thing. But Nate Reavers has been shown to score some points. So it's not like nine points is blowing me away. But he had uh, eight rebounds and seven blocks. That makes a big defense or a big deal, especially when the game is decided by defense. It was last night, 56-51 for the final score. Not a, lot, not a whole lot of scoring uh, in a road game in the Big Ten when the Badgers uh, have anything to say about it. 56-51, like I said. Demetri Trice hit a huge dagger near the end of the game, and we're going to talk about that coming up because there were some, uh, I don't want to say extracurriculars, but a little bit of drama towards the end of the game that I want to get into and 
and talk a little bit more at length. On Tuesday, we had Ebo uh, join the show from The Zone in Madison. He co-hosts The Joe and Ebo Show uh, on The Zone. That's our sister station. And and we, we talked about not only looking back at this winning streak the last couple of weeks, I should say six straight games dating back to that Michigan upset, which I think really kind of lit a fire under this team and it has yet to uh, to cool down. But but looking forward in this schedule as well, well now it's, it's basically a given that the Badgers are going to be back into the tournament. And if you had asked me at the beginning of the season, if the Badgers make it back to the tournament, I consider that a success. I mean, that's a successful season. Given the fact last year that they didn't make it, they had some really tough close game losses. If they just make it into the tournament this year, I'll take it. Now, maybe we have to adjust our expectations, but as I was talking to Ebo we were looking at this final stretch of the schedule. Now, they wrap up the season with a with a fairly easier stretch. They have Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana right in a row. Now, they have to go to Northwestern and to Indiana, and I don't want to downplay those road environments, but then they host Penn State. They host Iowa, who's a good team, don't get me wrong, but the way the Badgers have been playing, I'm, I'm not going to say that Iowa is unbeatable, especially at the Kohl Center, and then they have to go to Ohio State. So they have an easier stretch. They get Michigan and Michigan State out of the way within the next week or so. But as I looked at this upcoming stretch with Ebo, I said, Ebo, look, they, they, they go to Michigan, or Minnesota, excuse me, which was last night. Then they go to Michigan, and then they host Michigan State. And I said, Ebo, if they go 1-3 in that stretch, would you, would you consider that a success? Now, that's a, t- that's a tough question to answer. You never want to say 1-3 in, in a particular stretch is good. Because naturally you're going under 500, but given the circumstances, we kind of both agree that yeah, one and three would be okay. Two and three would be excellent. Well, the Badgers have already knocked off that first win of the three. I think going to Michigan, going to Ann Arbor, and trying to win is probably going to be their biggest challenge uh, this this stretch uh, down the stretch leading up to the Big Ten tournament. Last night was probably the most winnable game of them all. Ebo seemed pretty confident that they're going to be able to knock off the Spartans on the 12th when they host them at the Coles Center. And don't get me wrong, the Coles Center, the last couple of games, has been energized. And it has had some character and, and had some bounce that I have not seen from the Coles Center in a long time. Ebo tended to agree with that. But as we look down this final stretch, we start to ask some questions like, all right, What's our expectation? This three-game stretch with against really good teams, we said one and three would be okay, two and three would be great, but we'll take one win where we can get it. They got that out of the way with last night, but then what do we look to improve? What do we look for this final stretch? Because my goal for this Badgers team, my personal goal, not that I have any connection to this team or, or any voice on the team at all, my goal as a fan for my team, the Badgers, to start this year was to see them get back to the NCAA tournament. If they did that, didn't really matter to me how it happened. If they got back there, even if they lost in the first round, I would have considered it a success. Well, that has now become the case, and I don't want to just throw away the rest of the season. Said, well, I'll watch, but you know, they have accomplished what they needed to accomplish this year. So we kind of reevaluate. We reestablish some goals and some expectations for this team. And Ebo echoed this sentiment as well. There's a couple of things that I want to see. I want to see them improve their free throw shooting. Because as, as low of expectations as I may have had for this Badgers team regarding tournament wins, you know, getting to the Sweet 16 or, dare I say, the Elite Eight. I didn't really have expectations there. I had expectations for them to get back to the tournament. I would hate to see this Badgers team get to the tournament and lose a game because of their free throw shooting. That would be really hard. That would be really tough. Because it's a problem. It's like that slow moving. It's like watching a car accident in slow motion. You know it's coming. You know it's happening. 
and yet you still really can't do anything about it. That's how I feel about this Badgers team when it comes to their free throw shooting. Now, there are nights where they are better than others. If we take a look at last night, just to put it into perspective, uh, I I didn't think they were awful from the free throw line last night, but but let's figure out for sure here. The Badgers were 10 of 13 from the free throw line. No, that's the uh, the Gophers, excuse me, 12 of 18, which still isn't awful from the type of numbers that we have seen. Now, 66% from the line is... Is not tremendous, but when you put it into perspective with this Badgers team, it's on the the upper level of what you can start to ask for. The Gophers shot 76%. If they could get up near 80 or right under 80, I'd obviously much prefer that. I don't want to see this Badgers team get back to the tournament and lose because of free throw shooting. If the Badgers can improve that somehow in the weeks to come, that would be a huge difference for this team because you get even more comfortable in situational basketball. Not only do you trust your guy, Ethan Happ, who... I, I, and I don't want to throw this around because obviously all the chatter is about Zion Williamson and, and other players like that. And he's a great NBA prospect. But in terms of co- a college basketball player, Ethan Happ might be the best college basketball player out there. He is a big man, big man with handles. Uh, and he is he's a blast to watch play. It's not necessarily going to translate into the Big Ten. I thought last night was a good example of Jordan Murphy kind of bullied him around. He bodied him around a little bit on the boards. And that's something that Ethan Happ will have to deal with when he tries to transition to the NBA. And I I don't see that going particularly well. But in terms of being a college basketball player, you can't ask for much better. And the Badgers are going to be able to ride him into the Big Ten tournament and hopefully into March Madness. You trust him. And now if you can improve your free throw shooting, you feel even better in close games. When you're playing defensive basketball and you're playing ugly basketball as the Badgers like to do, especially when they find themselves in a mismatch, You need to be comfortable in situational basketball. You need to be comfortable in a close game down the stretch. And if free throw shooting is what it takes, uh, that's what they got to improve. Demetri Trice has shown a knack for hitting clutch spots in big spots or clutch shots in big spots. That's going to help. I want to see a little bit more of that down the stretch leading into the tournament. And also, if I can really have my way, and me and Ebo talked about this earlier this week, I'd love to see Nate Reavers show a little bit more independence because ultimately next year when Ethan Happ leaves, it can't be like LeBron leaving the Cavs. You lose your best player and all of a sudden, you know, the you know what hits the fan. At some point, somebody's going to have to take over this team and be the best player. I think we're looking at Nate Reavers to be that next big man because the Badgers have transitioned so well from Frank Kaminsky to Ethan Happ. Can they do the same with Nate Reavers? I think the next month and a half or so here, the next 40 days or so before Selection Sunday are going to be really telling uh, to see maybe what is to come from Nate Reavers in the future. So uh, when we come back, I want to expand on a little more Badgers conversation as well. There was some some drama and some fireworks near the end of the game. No fighting, uh, no fist fighting on the floor, no chairs being thrown, nothing like that, but... Something that's a little interesting and something that's funny if you're a Wisconsin fan and something that really might piss you off if you're a Gopher fan. So we're going to talk about that as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Graham Bills. Thanks for tuning in. We've covered a lot of ground today, uh, including a lot of Bucks excitement and very good analysis and breakdown. Am I When I say that, am I patting myself on the back? I don't mean to. thought we had a really great discussion early on in the show today uh, about the trade deadline today and what exactly the Nikola Mirotic deal means for the Bucks and all the details and, and specifics that make it such a good deal. So if you missed out on that and you are a Bucks fan, I highly recommend you go to WKTYsports.com following the show and check it out in podcast form. You don't have to listen to 
the same stuff twice. But if, if you missed out on that conversation, I would really recommend Bucks fans go check that out because I think we did a really good job of tackling some of the details and the specifics and the underbelly of this deal that make it so good for the Bucks. And there are multiple reasons uh, that this trade is so good for the Bucks. The NBA trade deadline uh, today was today at two o'clock. Disappointingly enough, I was stuck in class from one to two. So I missed the Miritich deal. I didn't see it until afterwards. Otherwise, I would have been at home. With more than one sports station turned on, refresh, refresh, refresh on Twitter because the NBA tread deadline is a blast. I look forward to it every year. But rarely are the Bucks in a position to make a deal as good as the one that they did today acquiring Nikola Miritich. So, uh, and that's a conversation that we're going to keep having. And I cannot wait to watch him play in a Milwaukee Bucks jersey because he's going to fit so perfectly. And the Bucks didn't have to give up very much. So if you missed that conversation, go check it out at WK2iSports.com. Last night, just to extend this uh, Wisconsin Badgers talk that we're having, uh, we've covered a lot uh, of Badgers talk today. But what's most important and what's the best has they've won six games in a row. I mean, they poured it on and they played a really good stretch of basketball. They haven't necessarily looked pretty through it, but they figured out how to win games and really stack success over the course of the last six games. That's called a winning streak. Exactly. Amen to that. And throughout the six game winning streak, they have been carried by Ethan Happ and Reavers has had a breakout game and we've seen flashes from Kobe King, specifically in that Michigan game. Last night, uh, Demetri Trice down the stretch, he's making it a habit to call his own number. Nothing new last night as he hit what amounted to be the dagger uh, in the barn last night in Minnesota. This is the the call of Demetri Trice's dagger. Uh, step up three with a hand in his face. Nine to shoot. Trice with six. Over Curry for three. And Demetri Trice. Listen how loud it was in there. The barn was rocking last night. That, that, that was a game. And I know the Badgers were ranked higher. That was a, that was a huge win for the Badgers. I could argue that game was just as big as the Maryland win was at home. Uh, beating teams at the Cole Center is one thing, and, and Minnesota is no slouch. They have some some really good players, specifically Jordan Murphy, who the Badgers don't match up particularly well with. Ethan Happ, for as good as he is at handling the basketball and finishing around the rim, he's not a bruiser, uh, and Jordan Murphy is exactly that. He bullied him a little bit on the offensive glass last night, but it wasn't decided on the offensive glass. Uh, it was decided through the hand and the stroke of Demetri Trice near the end of the game. One thing that was interesting, and, and we were watching the post game. I watched the second half of the Badgers game. Like I said, I was stuck at the library last night for a while. We were watching the post game and the, the interview with Ethan Happ, and, and we caught an interesting shot watching on TV of Ethan Happ waving goodbye. Pretty accentuated waving and facial expressions to what we only assumed and what would turn out to be uh, the Minnesota student section. And it's odd because I've never seen Hap do anything like that before. And my, my friend Joe looks at me, he's like, well, who's he waving to? Maybe he's waving to his family. Maybe he's waving to his grandma. I was like, I don't know if you wave with that face uh, and with that body language to someone that you like or are saying a truly goodbye to. So he was asked about it post game, and I thought it was it was pretty funny. Uh, Hap talking a little bit of smack. Don't get me wrong. He definitely uh, shot a shot here. But I think it's deserved, and I think it's fair, uh, and he brings up exactly the reason why I think it is fair for Ethan Happ himself, in this case, to talk smack to Minnesota fans. Well, this is the border battle, and we saw you blowing kisses to the fans. Now, they might not have been your fans, but you were blowing kisses. What was that all about? Yeah, there was a particular uh, group of students in their student section that was chirping the whole game, so I just let them know that I thanked them for their time here. Um, you know, I haven't lost here, so I, they make me feel at home, and I really enjoy the atmosphere here. Well, congrats on the win. It was probably the guy in the cow and pig costume. Back to you guys in studio. Yikes. I mean, no lies detected, right? 
I did. I just, there's a little bit of attitude, a little bit of sass there. I'm lost here, so I, they make, he says, you know, I've never lost here. Um, you know, I haven't lost here, so I, they make me feel at home, and I really enjoy the atmosphere here. I I love that. A little bit of sarcasm in there. I I that's my kind of humor. That just being really passive aggressive, really sarcastic. That's yep. That's that's my deal. I love that right there. Ethan Happ last night. He didn't have his best game. Certainly didn't have his worst. I'm not taking a shot at Ethan Happ. Uh, he was, even though he had to battle with Jordan Murphy, who I think is a, is a mismatch for his body style and the way that Happ plays, uh, he held his own on the offensive glass and, and did okay. Uh, but Reavers with seven blocks last night and some scoring being pitched in and a big bucket at the end by Demetri Trice. This Badger team, like I said, won six in a row and there's some impressive wins among them. They have more true road wins than... Just about anyone in college basketball. I believe last night put them at seven or eight true road wins, which is tough. Winning on the road in college is really hard. It is really hard because nothing is a given in college sports. The NFL and the NBA and your professional leagues executing the simple things, you can kind of pass that off as a given at times. Not all the time, but certainly more than you can in college. Making your free throws, hitting a wide open three-point shot, those things aren't givens. In college, maybe like they are in the NBA. So a raucous road environment. And you heard in those highlights how loud the barn was down the stretch last night in the Twin Cities. That only complicates things. And that only makes what is already challenging in college athletics even more so. So I believe, like I said, last night was seven or eight true road wins. And we're going to next week, we're going to keep this Badger basketball talk going as they have two huge matchups next week. Uh, We're going to try to have a conversation with Zach Heilprin. He's our Badger guy uh, from the zone in Madison. So we'll try to connect with him and and we'll specifically break down that that road, that true road win metric because it is really it is really telling. We we talked about what the Badgers are going to have to be able to do down the stretch. Uh, They're going to have to trust themselves in clutch and in close games and in late game situations. Situational basketball, meaning You're up this many points with 30 seconds left. Does everybody know the routine? Does everybody know the drill? Are you going to foul? Are you not going to foul? Do do you know how to break a press, whether it's a man or a zone press? That, that that, That can't, that has to be second nature. You don't have time to take multiple timeouts and get organized on the court because as soon as there's one second of confusion, that's where things start to unravel, especially on the road late in games. So everybody needing to be on the same page with situational basketball. That's where you see the good teams and the great teams separate automatically knowing what to do if faced with this type of pressure or this type of press. Are we up by a certain margin? Is it our protocol now to foul or is it to let the clock play out, right? That's all things that need to be decided. On top of that, you need guys to hit big shots like Demetri Trice, comfortable in a situation like that, comfortable hitting free throws. I think the Badgers are getting there. They have a couple of steps yet to take, but last night was another good measuring stick of maybe the Badgers improving in clutch time and in situational basketball situations down the stretch. That'll only help them as they approach the Big Ten tournament and hopefully March Madness. Oh, I think that's as close to a certainty as it has been all season long after last night's win. So there's the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for tuning in. It's a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to talk more Bucks, more college basketball. It's a fun time to be a Wisconsin sports fan right now. So we'll run it back one more time for the week tomorrow. Same time, same place. I'll talk to you then.